Happy New Year. I live for New Year's Day. Back in the past, it was for college football games, but I kind of lost interest when they took this one-day event, which was amazing, and then spread it out over weeks and added games seemingly whenever a new sponsor wanted one. Then, the NHL did something amazing. They took from the experiments in the past with outdoor exhibition games and the already first successful Canadian Heritage Classic in Edmonton and started what would be called the Winter Classic. So now kick back with your favorite New Year Day elixir with your favorite team jersey and foam finger and let me tell you about the games that were most affected by the weather on this day in weather history. I've covered all of these past outdoor events already and on this podcast, but this one is different. This is an annual event and the stakes get higher and higher and the games get bigger and bigger every time out. Consider that they are staging an official league game that is normally played in a very controlled indoor space, now in an outdoor environment in a facility that was never meant to be used for this. Every year, and for every game of this kind, the weather is public enemy number one. 2008, Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. Going into the original Winter Classic match, the only two things organizers were either privately or publicly fearing was A, lake effect snow, which is very common in this area of western New York. We've talked about that on the podcast already. And B, a repeat of what happened at the Heritage Classic in Edmonton five years ago. Bone rattling cold. The game, played in the football stadium home of the NFL's Buffalo Bills, set an NHL attendance record for the time of 71,217. And the snow came down. It was awesome. Due to the snowy conditions, the game at the time colloquially was referred to as the Ice Bowl by residents of the area and also Sabres fans. The weather actually affected the game before the puck even dropped to start things. Taking into consideration the obvious advantages one side may gain by however the weather played out, the NHL announced that several rule changes were in effect for this special edition. One rule was actually a callback to the way the game used to be played in the era of the original six teams. The teams would switch ends halfway through the third period exactly at the 10-minute mark. What happened is, at that time, the horn would sound, Zamboni would smooth the ice surface one final time because of the weather's effects on it, and then the puck would drop at center ice again. The best part is that everything the league prepared for, they actually needed. Snow fell for most of the game, the air was crisp and cold, but not death-defyingly freezing like it was in 03 in Edmonton. It was compared to an NHL game that was played in a snow globe. It was Perfect for the fans, albeit a challenge for the players at times. Sidney Crosby scoring the game-winning goal in a shootout was the perfect finale for the league, the TV networks covering it, and the Penguins in the standings. Not so much for the Sabres fans in the stands. 2009, Wrigley Field, Chicago. Where last year we staged that game in a surefire hockey crazy hotbed in a stadium where fans for football are insane. This year we stepped as deep as we could into history when the NHL put the Blackhawks on ice in Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs of Major League Baseball. 
Now, remember, it would be another seven years before the Cubs would finally win a world championship. So this was a stadium steeped in tradition, but not much winning. They filled it to capacity at 41,000 and even kept the legendary ivy in the outfield wall. Well, it was fake ivy at this time of the year, obviously, but it was there to paint the picture. Fans didn't mind the cold outdoors for a hockey game. It actually wasn't much colder than it is for a Cubs game in April. I don't know whether that's saying this was a mild winter or the Cubs play in terrible conditions to start every season. The game featured two rivals from the bygone era of the original six. We had the hometown Blackhawks taking on the then-defending Stanley Cup champion Detroit Red Wings. These two teams and their long and storied histories had played each other seven Hundred times already. So 701 went outside for this fight. 2011. Heinz Field, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The 2011 Winter Classic was back in another National Football League stadium, and this one was brutally affected by the weather, but just not the kind you'd expect from the winter months. This time, it was raining heavily. A few weeks prior, there was a very real fear of the Winter Classic game this year being postponed or canceled altogether. The overwhelming consensus forecast was for temperatures way higher than what you should normally have for this time of year in Pittsburgh. And then there was also the possibility of rain, light rain, where this would have frozen on contact and made the surface uneven, or heavy or consistent downpours. This was obviously the greater concern for the NHL because under these conditions, the game would have to be abandoned. Ooh, it was tense. In the end, we had a game, but it was a photo finish in the way it was actually and ultimately staged. The game had originally been scheduled for 1 p.m., but with the scene on the field still dire as late as the night before, on December 31st, the game time was pushed to 8 p.m. Wasn't what they had dreamed of, but they had a winter classic that will be remembered forever. Citizens Bank Park, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This was the NHL's fifth Winter Classic, and we were back in a baseball stadium. This time it was the home of the Philadelphia Phillies and featured the hometown Flyers taking on the rival New York Rangers. And this game picked up where 2011 left off. Fears and delays due to unseasonably warm weather in an outdoor forum. you got to believe that organizers were in conference calls screaming, Oh, you got to be kidding me! It threatened to be as much of a mess as they saw in Pittsburgh the year before, or worse, but again, the hockey gods relented and let the game play. Although it was only delayed two hours from its original 1 p.m. puck drop, it still had the mild temperatures and the rain. It was definitely a nail-biter for everyone from league officials to fans to players. Rain fell for a short time during the second period, but thankfully for the integrity of the game and the safety of the players, the ice conditions were mostly excellent. Flyers were less than thrilled, however. The Rangers came into town and won by a score of 3-2. to two. 2014, The Big House, Michigan Stadium, Ann Arbor, Michigan. The game was originally planned to be played on January 1st of 2013 as the 2013 NHL Winter Classic, but that was postponed for a year, not by weather, but by the 2012-2013 NHL lockout. And as a make-good for fans upon reopening for hockey, the NHL went crazy and planned six outdoor games that year. You had the Heritage Classic in Canada and the four different stadium series games that were played on different dates. It was a 
bit much, but one game stood out heads and shoulders above the rest for its intensity, history, grand scale, and epic quality of play. The New Year's Day Winter Classic between the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs at the home of the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan Stadium, known as the Big House. This monster of a stadium housed 105,491 hockey-crazy fans that day. And although, believe it or not, it's not an outdoor game attendance record, I couldn't believe it either, it still was big, it was loud, and the weather was brutal. The good news is, this time, it was actual winter weather. Remember that Buffalo snow globe story I told you off the top? Perfect setting. Yeah, this was closer to hell on earth with snow falling steadily and being whipped into people's faces by powerful wind gusts. It was so cold that the snow must have felt like needles as it hit any exposed skin. It was so cold that it actually froze the ball inside the officials' whistles. The snow just kept falling through the entire game. To keep the ice clear and safe, there were 10 skaters with wide snow shovels that would work in lines to quickly move the snow from the ice surface during every television timeout. Oh, and the television experience for the viewer was interesting. (laughs) The game was a rather unique experience to watch in HD through a blinding snowstorm, and it was watched. It was watched by a record-setting audience, 3.5 million average viewers for CBC's broadcast in Canada, which set a regular season record. It was as memorable as you could get for any style of programming. 2020, Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas. So just in the nick of time before everything else in 2020 got washed away, this edition of the New Year's Day Winter Classic was almost washed away. The scene was set. We'd have a good old-fashioned showdown in the Lone Star State. The Dallas Stars would face the Terrors from Tennessee, the Nashville Predators. The sold-out crowd of 85,630 were thrilled by the hometown Stars' 4-2 win. But here is some interesting perspective. You know the movie The Toy Story? Think of Toy Story, the animated movie. Humans would shut the door, leave the toys behind in the dark, and they would suddenly spring to life when the humans would return later. They'd have no idea what happened during the time in between, nor would they ever believe a story so impossibly improbable. Yet this is exactly what happened here in Texas. One minute, the ice is ready to go. Frozen? Check. White? Check. Lines and logos? Check. Yep, partner. I reckon we are ready for the 2020 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic. That's it. Close the doors. Turn out the lights. That's where it gets ridiculous. They must have gotten into the stadium next morning. Oh, it's early. Dunkin' Donuts coffee in one hand, cold stale muffin in a bag on the other hand, and then, oh, what the Thanks to a spike in temperatures overnight, the top layers of the ice, half the white paint, and all the lines and logos were gone. NHL senior manager of the facility operations, Derek King, was the leader of the ice crew for this game, and he said, and I quote, We had two inches of water, and it was like a wading pool. What happened? On Friday, it was warm and humid with high winds. This was already a very bad sign. The ice was frozen where it met the aluminum floor. The refrigeration comes from underneath. But the ice was melting from the top down, hence the thin ice that remained under a pool of water. It went from bad to much, much, much worse, 
All night into Saturday morning, they removed water while the refrigeration truck was cranked to 100%. Then the rain started. Yep, it had to rain, right? That's when they started to lose the white paint, the lines, and then the logos. Now, with the game approaching fast, they drew up around-the-clock four-hour windows for three days. That included an overnight shift of Christmas Eve into Christmas morning for part of that crew. And they started looking for white paint. We gotta find a lot of white paint. So there you have it. Great idea, incredible games, awesome game day experience for all in attendance, and really amazing television experience as well. It's pretty brazen to take a game that's played on a sheet of ice and put it outdoors, literally daring Mother Nature right to her face. That's what makes these games so must-see and this day so special. Again, Happy New Year, everybody. Tomorrow is January 2nd, and we will be back to regular programming here on the podcast. One story and five to six minute episodes. Tomorrow we look back at the day in 1955 when the tropical storm named Alice was declared a hurricane. That's right, in January, a hurricane. Be here tomorrow and you're going to find out just how that happened on this day in weather history with me, your host, Chris May.